right, this is the latest episode of 10 Questions. I'm Thinker, and I must say I've got to uh, thank everybody that has been involved so far, whether you've listened, whether you have recorded. Um, man, uh, whenever I recorded this episode that we're going to do with Ray here, uh, it was mid to late December 2019, um, and now on the date that this is dropping in February 2020, I've even already started recording episodes for uh, 2021. And that is uh, astounding. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I'm very grateful, very appreciative uh, for everybody that has played any part in this. Um, but on to today's episode, Ray Redacted. I tell you, Ray is probably one of those guys that I could sit down and talk to forever in a day. Um, he he could have a story, he could remind me of a story, and it could just go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, even, you'll hear at the end, uh, Ray wasn't sure if we hit the end of 10 questions or not, and uh, we definitely hit the end of 10 questions, um, probably several more whenever you count the unofficial follow-ups. But, uh, well, just... Just take a listen. It was a fun conversation. All right, this is 10 Questions. I'm Thinker, and I am on with Ray Redacted. Hello, hello, Thinker. How are you today? Doing good, doing good. I I, got to tell you before we start, um, every time I've seen your picture on uh, Twitter, um, I've always always, uh, thought of um, Joe Gatto. From Impractical Jokers. Really? Yeah. Well, I've never it, heard that one before. I, well, I, I've, I, I don't normally just go, you know, looking and studying uh, pictures <laughs> of people, but it's just, it, it's just every time, every time I see it in passing, it's just, it, it always makes me think of him. Well, definitely so, Google that. Yeah, but what, so, so whenever I knew that I was doing this today, I kept, I kept on uh, hearing, uh, hear, hearing that guy's voice in my head. Um, so no, it's a. Uh, uh, well, I gotta give you congratulations. I mean, this is a new, relatively new podcast, and man, your guest list so far has been awesome. I mean, crazy. You started with Wirefall, and you had Caitlin, Tinker, Snow. Good lord, man! You got this is like the all star lineup. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Amanda I, I, guess I, I, I guess I've ingratiated myself enough. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's a, it's a hell of a lineup. I'm very, very happy to be uh, among them. And for those of you that are listening perhaps for the first time, uh, he really won't give you the questions ahead of time, won't even give you even so much as a hint about any of the questions. <laughs> if that's the burning question everybody wants to know is, did, you, did, did the guests get a, a preview? Absolutely not. I got nothing. <laughs> well, it, it's so far. It's, so far, the only person that's actually asked for him ahead of time has been Snow, and I'm like, yeah. oh, Tinker Sack! I'm so surprised Tinker didn't at least try. <laughs> yeah, no, no Snow was the only one that that asked for him ahead of time, and I I told her, nope, that's not normally the way I do it. Well, the other burning question is: is do you actually have the questions, or do you just wing it? Um, the only one that I winged it on was with Wirefall. <laughs> okay, um, okay. I, I just I, I was not prepared, but I went ahead with it anyway. All right. Um, but no, I, I, I did. I was doing yours at last minute, but I have all ten of those questions spelled out and ready to go. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Let's start the ten questions. All right. So, question number one is: What was your favorite hobby as a kid? 
Yeah, so this is probably not going to surprise a lot of folks out there, but I was extremely into computers as a very, very young person. Um, and that really manifested itself originally in software piracy. Uh, I really taught myself assembly language, basic, and some other languages because in the Apple II days, and I'm dating myself, of course, from an OPSEC standpoint, <laughs> but they had some brilliant copy protection schemes on your floppy disks, right? I mean, and I, when I say brilliant, I mean they had really, really creative and devious ways, but you, you could actually disable them. You could use programs to do it. You could use a hexadecimal editor, which is where I learned a lot of that stuff. Uh, but I was extremely into computers. As a matter of fact, my parents tell the story that on my ninth birthday, uh, they bought me an Apple IIc. So now I've really given away my age <laughs> there. But um, And that night, the night of my birthday, they came in my room and I completely disassembled it. And, that, and by the way, if you, look at, if you look at that computer, it was not designed to be mis uh, disassembled. So I was extremely <laughs> into that. I was, I was also uh, interested in math at, at school particularly because I, it, it was very early on that I learned that, you know, if you knew how to do binary and hexadecimal, then you were going to have a leg up in programming and everything else around computers. So my first real exposure to computers was somewhat of the dark side with BBSs and copy protection mechanisms and things like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, my, uh, my uh, first one I had as a kid was a, uh, a, a homebrew uh, compilation, but it had uh, DOS 3.5 on it. Oh wow! Awesome. Did you, and, did you do bulletin board systems back then? No. Uh, at that point, no. Um, <laughs> whenever we first got it, the, the big thing I remember is uh, one of the things that was preloaded on it by the by the person that built it was this uh, game Battleship. Okay. And uh, every time the the computer started up, it always showed a it showed a menu and Battleship was number one. And so I hit one and enter, and it ran Battleship. Well, there was two different times it stopped working. And my dad took it to the person that built it to get it fixed. Now, um, was, I ended up taking the DOS manual with me to school <laughs> as okay. my book that I read whenever I finished my work in class. Mm -hmm. I had finished that cover to cover, every single page, before the end of the school year. And there was one big thing I learned. Batch files. You learned batch files. Batch files. <laughs> and, and, and I learned that my, my dad paid 45 bucks on two separate occasions for what amounted to 10 seconds worth of work. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but uh, then you could jump in and you could edit that and put whatever you want for practical joke purposes exactly. and everything else, right? Yeah, exactly. I, re I remember my first ever exposure to batch files was, I thought I had invented this at the time, what could, how could you pretend, how could you run a program that pretended to be the shell, right? To be the DOS <laughs> interpreter, but was actually yours and you were intercepting it like man in the middle there. So yeah. that's awesome. So I guess we both given away OPSEC time details on our, uh, our childhoods. <laughs> so we're off to a good start. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So uh, let's move on to question two then. Uh, whenever you were a kid, what was your big thing you wanted to be when you grew up? Ooh, that's really interesting. So I was one of the folks that this changed constantly, right? I mean, all the way up until high school, uh, I had the aspiration of I wanted to cure AIDS. So I originally started out as a biochemistry major at okay. the university, uh, but organic chemistry too made me realize that perhaps that was not the career path for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think everyone in life needs to 
eventually take a class that kicks your ass so completely and just enormously that you uh, that you reboot your aspirations. So <laughs> uh, that was my original intent. Was I wanted to do genetic engineering, PC, uh, you know, poly- polymer chain reaction stuff. You know, a lot of that kind of area. Now, the good news is, is even without my contributions, they've made massive headway in that particular areas and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I've always danced around the computer side, the cybersecurity side. Uh, you know, I, I ran a, uh, a computer lab at uh, the second university I attended. And and ultimately, that's where I ended up landing, which is what everybody kind of thought I was going to do anyway before I went down these other paths. Um, I also dabbled for a little while in pre-law. I took a lot of constitutional law courses as an undergraduate. And so that's why occasionally you'll hear me spouting pseudo-legal nonsense on Twitter. Hey, I get, I get that. I get that. I, I, for, for the longest time, I wanted to uh, go to school and be a music major. Really? Uh, do you play yeah. Oh, I, I, I played uh, several instruments whenever I was in school. Um, but uh, it, it, one thing that my mom always said about me um, is that she figured I'd grow up tied to be a pastor or a lawyer because I could argue with the fence post. <laughs> and win, and win, right? That's <laughs> so, good. yeah, I, I probably, probably would have gone to law school if I was – if I was actually a lot better as a student, <laughs> sure, um, sure. I, I just I, I've, I've always learned really well. I just never done very good in a school setting. Um, sure, but but yeah, you, you know, sometimes I dip into the legal stuff myself too. It's just a very natural place for me to be in, in my thought process. Awesome. Well, you ought to record some music for your own podcast. That that way, you don't have to worry about royalties ever because you can just pay yourself the royalties. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Okay, so uh, question number three, um, what area of information security do you have the most fun with? Ooh, so this is this is an actually really interesting one because it is also changing and evolving. I mean, I spend a lot of time uh, in a kind of an educator role, right, mm-hmm. where, where I do a lot of training, a lot of uh, OPSEC stuff, um, you know, basic cybersecurity hygiene kind of stuff. But I tend to gravitate towards the things that I don't necessarily know that much about, right, that I'm not necessarily following. So, like I would say in the last few years, there's been a lot more emphasis on red team versus blue team versus purple team and all those that, that types aside. And I'd never really embraced a lot of the blue team um, methodologies, right, because mm-hmm. we have this erroneous perception that the red team is the is the uh, is the is the sexy sexy side right of hacking right that's the sexy yeah. side that's the penetrators etc. But um, I actually met Frank McGovern I guess a year and a half two years ago and he's actually mm-hmm. the founder of Blue Team Con and over one very very late night he kind of opened my eyes to the fact that uh, Blue Team is also where it's at you know so <laughs> I'm actually going to that conference for the first time their their first ever conference is this year it's crazy lineup their their keynotes lineup is insane so I'm yeah. I'm kind of interested in Blue Team stuff right now um, I know you had Tinkersec on a few uh, uh, a little bit earlier uh, in the podcast um, yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff that he says like even on his podcast he says stuff that I always just want to go look it up immediately right so uh, I wasn't I wasn't that familiar with the Proximark and the RFID stuff but mm-hmm. I just recently bought a bunch of gear for that I just recently so I'm kind of dabbling in a lot learning all that and of course I mean I shouldn't be surprised by this 
but it, it, I mean, I really, really, really shouldn't be surprised. But like when I go to London and stuff, it, I never, it never occurred to me that those oyster cards that they use for their tubes and their subways and stuff is relatively insecure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> At least the first generation was extremely insecure. So I tend to try to gravitate towards things that I don't know that much about and just try to expand my knowledge base that way. But uh, right now it's physical security stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, question number three. Uh, I, I, especially after uh, uh, clicking on your uh, link off uh, your link off your uh, Twitter profile and catching and just watching just a little bit of that talk that that was. I think I know the answer to this. But okay. Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, definitely Star Wars, without a question. <laughs> now they lost their way for a few years right we, we we won't speak of the 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 prequels we won't even speak of those at all but <laughs> with the mandalorian they have really made a comeback like massively massively made a comeback and i know that uh the the final uh, movie in the in the saga is a little bit polarizing but i haven't met anyone who didn't like the mandalorian so definitely a big time star wars guy that being said uh, the next generation, I think, will always remain uh, – Star Trek TNG will always remain uh, one of my absolute favorites in the Star Trek side. And if you've read Will Wheaton's books, Will Wheaton has a book called Just a Geek and a couple others as well. He's mm -hmm. actually a big computer nerd. He plays Dungeons and & Dragons, and he mm -hmm. does a lot of programming and stuff like that. Um, but it's really tragic what they did to his character on that show because he was he's, he was basically hated by the fan base, you know, because he's this thirteen year old kid that was at the con and all this other kind of stuff. So, but I still those the, the some of the next generations still hold up very very well after this many years. There were two years when the writers were on strike, and you just want to totally forget those years because <laughs> <laughs> without professional writing, it was it was pretty bad. Heavily leaned on the holodeck and stuff. But I'm definitely more of a Star Wars guy. Okay. Okay. Well, since you uh, mentioned Star Trek: The Next Generation, I guess uh, are you looking forward to that Picard series that's supposed to be coming oh, 100%. out? One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When is that? By the way. Yeah. Oh. It, they're supposed to be starting to release that in January. Yeah. So the, the thing that blows me away, and I guess Disney pulled it off, but they're not going to release that on TV at all, right? You can't. You have to stream it. You have to buy that CBS. Oh yeah. Yeah. CBS All Access. Which is crazy. I mean, that's insane. That show would be like getting millions of views if they put it on television. But I guess that's not the way that things are done anymore. Yeah. Um, well, whenever uh, Star Trek Discovery was first announced. Um, I, I know several people that said that they'd love to watch it, but they're just not willing to pay the money for it. For sure. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, c c considering that, uh, you know, I I've actually finally joined uh, the uh, cord cutters group uh, within this last year. Uh -huh. uh, C CBS All Access has been my favorite spend of money because uh, most of the shows I watch are CBS stuff anyway. And, and they so, got that huge back catalog too, right? Oh, yeah. You got, you got the other Twilight Zones and stuff like that. Gilligan's Island, I think, is one of them yep. as well. Now, do you pay for the advertisement-free version or do you just get Absolutely. Them? Yeah, so that's where they really get you. Like, same with Hulu. Is where they really get you is that five ninety nine package is okay, but there's nothing worse in the world when you're time shifting or place shifting than having to watch those mandatory ads, right? I mean, that's, that's yep. crazy. Even on, even on YouTube TV, which is the premium YouTube product, mm -hmm. if you go to watch a recording that you recorded on your virtual DVR or whatever, it defaults to the one that has the mandatory commercials, right? So like if Mr. Mm -hmm. when Mr. Robot is honored, for example, if you just log in and say, show me this show, unless you go and find the separate recording, it's going gonna, it's gonna to force you to watch those, which, you know, that's just, that's just not good. But yes, yeah, yeah. So you're a complete cord cutter. 
I'm also a complete cord cutter. We have Apple TVs in each and every um, room and, and ESPN. But, you know, when you add up a lot of those services, if you add Disney Plus and YouTube and PlayStation and still you know, cost as much as cable. Anyway. Yeah, totally. We got ripped off on that <laughs> whole concept. I mean, and, and everything's not paper. Everything's not on demand either. You know, the, the way to beat the system really is to rotate those, like have one month of CBS and then one month of Netflix. But my God, who's going to do all that, right? Who's going to remember to log in and log out and yep. all that kind of stuff? So they they definitely won. The broadcasters are definitely getting their money regardless. Yeah, I, I ended up cord cutting whenever uh, YouTube TV was finally made available across the country because um, I had actually tried out other services. And I just wasn't satisfied with how they worked. I, I, I've always been a very particular DVR person. Sure, like, sure. The way my DVR worked. 100%. I, yeah, it, it, and YouTube TV was just the one that got the closest to being a similar experience. And yeah. the, mo the moment it was made available, damn, I, I, I took advantage of that. <laughs> now, did you ever hack a TiVo? Did you ever add hard drives to TiVos back in the heydays? No, no. Oh, I yeah. Didn't. So I used to have these massive TiVos that just had just insane size hard drives. Uh, for standard definition, it was like seven or eight hundred hours or whatever. Yeah. And so I thought Directv was going to be like that, like the Directv mm -hmm. service, but it sucked. It was not anywhere near like that. You know, um, I can't remember what all the restrictions were on that, but I and but then YouTube TV came along. But they, I think they've jacked the price up pretty much every six months ever since they launched, right? And now they well, can't. They now you can't watch the commercials too. They they force you to watch commercials on one one or two channels. Well, they um, they, uh, they they added a whole uh, oh I forget I forget who the parent company was that they finally got all the additional channels added on there. But they they did jack it another another ten dollars a month whenever they did that. Which I mean honestly is to be expected to be expected. But um, it, they they've uh, they've still been doing some additions that they haven't jacked the price on yet in, in the last year. Or so well, I, I, guess, I guess we'll see how it goes. I also have YouTube Red, not to be confused with Red Tube. Okay, YouTube Red <laughs> is the YouTube Premium one without mm -hmm. commercials. And um, if I try to turn that off, my kids freak out because they get really <laughs> really used to watching unlimited YouTube videos and stuff like that without commercials. So Indeed. again, YouTube, you, Google is definitely getting. A nice chunk of revenue out of my household, as as is Apple, as is Amazon. I mean, they they've all got their uh, they've all got their their hooks in. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of no matter how hard you try to avoid the the groups that gather so much on everybody, it's it's kind of hard to avoid them entirely unless <laughs> you just decide to live a nineteenth century life. For sure, for sure. So, okay, so uh, moving on to question four. Um, what is a life lesson that you have not forgotten to this point and probably never will forget? Ooh, that's a really, really, really tough one. Oh my God. This is going to sound like such cheesy cliche, but I mean, really, really cheesy cliche. But um, I think someone told me when I was like in my twenties, it was the first time I ever heard this expression to, uh, to be kind to others because you never know what battles they're going through. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that applies especially online, right? If you see someone who's acting trollish or, you know, acting a certain way, it turns out if you get to know those people, usually they've got other issues of their own. So I think yeah. that my major life lesson is, is that um, everyone is redeemable and that everyone has battles that you probably uh, could not only can fully empathize with, but you might not even understand at all. Yeah. 
Very true, very true. Okay, um, next question. What would you say is your favorite food? Wow. Um, well, I'm going to have to say anything Japanese. Okay. I wouldn't say sushi, right? I wouldn't say sushi, but it's anything whatsoever. Um, having spent some time in Japan, it could be street food. It could be noodles, uh, certainly sushi for sure. But, uh, that's, that, if I only, if I only got one cuisine for the rest of my life, that would definitely be it. Okay. Okay. Um, that, that begs the question of, do you know what it means to have sushi? Do I know what it means? Do you mean the? Do I know all of the etiquette and the proper way to eat it and things like that? No, no. What what sushi is? I probably don't. It sounds like this is going to be news to me. I can't wait to hear. Let, let me hear. Well, let me hear. There are so many people that that I know that turn their nose up at the idea of sushi because they're like, I'm not going to eat raw fish. Sushi is basically anything wrapped up in rice. Oh, for sure. That's what for it gets sure. down to. Yeah, for sure. So, so when when uh, when they tried to bring it to America, when they tried to bring it to America, like in the '80s or maybe in the '70s, mm -hmm. they launched with California rolls that didn't have seafood yeah. in them at all, right? And then it became super duper trendy. And then the kind of the second or third wave, people really started to appreciate, you know, the 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 right way to do it. Now, I will tell you the way that. Americans eat sushi in sushi restaurants here is not the way that Japanese people eat sushi. I believe there. I mean, the number one thing is, is if you go to one of the hardcore sushi places in Japan, they don't give you a menu. They just bring you what the chef wants you to have. Right. That's uh, that's, that's a big, big part of it. And certainly if you ask for a big, huge dish of soy sauce and wasabi and then god forbid you mix it together <laughs> they will uh they do, they do not approve of those kind of things because those are supposed to be flavor enhancers there you go yeah there there was a one place I, I was up in the middle of kansas i went to this place that uh, it, that uh, they actually had a sushi roll for people that weren't necessarily big sushi people um they called it a jackass roll okay but it, it it had pulled pork and French fries. Really? And all, yeah, all sorts of stuff in there. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty good. I, I like this gimmick. It's too, it's too bad there's not more places that did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Re reaching back to uh, younger years again. What was your favorite band or musical act in high school? Oh, my God. This is so insane. But it was Jethro Tull, the band that sang Aqualung, because one of my best friends, who was a girl, uh, got me into not even the Aqualung era, but like the mm -hmm. entire back catalog. And that was the very first concert I went to. Now, by the way, Jethro Tull is usually associated with like the 70s, okay? But mm -hmm. they're still playing today. They are still recording and touring today, as a matter of fact. And I think I've seen them in concert 13 or 14 times since wow. the time I was 15 years old. Now, I also did have a big phase, just like all teenagers do, with like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And, you know, it's amazing now to how the, some of that music can just bring you right back to high school or just bring you right back. Yeah. Um, and then I was a huge Guns N' Roses fan, huge, huge, massive. So uh, I think I had Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. I think I bought those CDs like 10 times because people kept stealing the CD and leaving me the jewel case behind. <laughs> you know, talking about uh, stuff that will bring you back, have, have you ever had uh... – have you ever had any uh, food that will transport you back to a different time? Um, 
probably cheap beer, <laughs> like that natural light. And uh, what was the, the the beer that tastes like it's in a, a, a bottle in a can? Keystone, Keystone Light. <laughs> that takes me back to a very, very specific time in life where you could buy like tall boy six packs for dirt cheap. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. That's d- d- definitely that does. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, I think I don't think I really eat McDonald's anymore. I don't think I've probably had McDonald's in 20 years. But my guess is if I had some McDonald's, it would probably bring me back to my youth, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah, there, there was this uh, town that we lived in when I was young, 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 that uh, there was this uh, uh, barbecue restaurant, local barbecue restaurant there. And I, I remember having uh, having a sausage sandwich with the barbecue sauce on there. And uh, I would always have the uh, potato salad with it. I mean, it was it was store bought potato salad. You know, they they did sure. the barbecue and went and bought everything. For sure. Um, but you know, I'd have that with a with a can of Big Red. Um, and uh, there was a job I was at several years ago that whenever I went to interview, I intentionally uh, flew in for the interview through what probably was not the closest airport. Okay. Because I wanted to go and stop in that town and get some food from this place. And I tell you, whenever I got that that first bite. I mean, it, it had been 30 years since I had had that food, and sure. I remembered it like it was just the day before. And did they have Big Red? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, still had the Big Red. Still, It was a, still the same potato salad, everything. So, yeah, it was. It, it, it's, it's amazing what how some stuff can bring you back at times. For sure. So, okay. Um, one question that I love to use on everybody because I like to see everybody's uh, uh, skills of deduction I'm going to give you uh, three phobias. Okay. And without me telling you what they are, without you looking them up. Okay. I want you to see if, see if you can decide which one would be the best out of the three to have if you had to have one. Okay. And then I'll tell you what they were afterwards. Um, okay. So I've got my trusty list up here. Um, let's go with uh, megalophobia. Okay. Um. Nosocomophobia. Not an N-A-S-C? N-O-S. M-O-S. N-O-S, yeah. N-O-S, okay. um, And then phylophobia. Phylophobia? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to guess that the megalomophobia either has to do with largeness, size, or self, right? If you think about megalomaniac, right, for example, okay. is somebody that was um, there. And I think phylophobia is probably books maybe no 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 that would be bibliophobia Bibliophobia would be love love fear of love maybe and what was the second one what was the middle one the nos 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 nosocomophobia okay so nosic that's obviously like uh fear of nitric oxide for cars or something <laughs> i don't know what, i don't know the greek i don't know the root for that one but i'm gonna go ahead and go with um Philophobia, because I think it's – well, no, actually, let me think about that. You know what? Let's roll the dice. We'll just take nos- Noscophobia. We'll take the middle one. Noscophobia? Okay. So, megalophobia, you were right, right on with there. It's fear of large things. Okay. Um, the philophobia, you were right on that. It's fear of love. Okay. Uh, Noscophobia is fear of hospitals. 
Oh, of course. Oh, well, and that's actually a very common one, right? Because yeah. a lot of people think that they get sick at hospitals or they just don't have good prep. Okay, so I, I actually picked the winner. I actually did pick the winner. I, I'll go okay. to like a, I'll go to like a, uh, uh, some kind of homeopathic health clinic if I need any kind of health care. Then <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Um, question number nine. Um, are you uh, somebody that likes colder weather or warmer weather? Oh boy. Um, you know, I, I actually just like the change, right? So, uh, generally like the first time it's cold is awesome. The 15th yeah. time it's cold is not right. <laughs> and the same with when the sun finally comes out and signs. Now I will tell you, I'm extremely, and I don't know the Greek word for this or whatever, but I'm actually very season sensitive, right? I'm okay. thinking force sensitive on the Star Wars side. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever heard of seasonal affective disorder, but that's basically yeah. a, a set of things that happen based on the, the length of the day and, and, and things like that. I definitely have a big streak of that. So okay. when I've lived places or lived places or even visited places where like the sun goes down at like 3 p.m. and <laughs> like, <laughs> like especially in December, it just yeah. drives me absolutely crazy, right? That's the, like if you want to go to Scotland, for example, you definitely want to go in the summertime you don't want to go and you want the summertime when the sun stays up to like 11 30 or 12 in aberdeen you know almost okay. midnight right um but i so i would definitely say i do like the sunshine i do like what it, the sunshine brings but in general between i'm really really hot and really really cold i just kind of like the, i like the, when the seasons change because it usually means new things are going to be happening okay okay yeah I, I i've been in places where it doesn't seem like you have all four seasons and I think the places where I, I, there is all four seasons have been, even though maybe I haven't liked exactly where I lived as far, you know, but the weather though, I've appreciated all four seasons. Yeah. So I was just, actually, I just saw the other day that Australia has had the four hottest days on record ever, mm -hmm. ever mm -hmm. in the last five days. Right. So the last five days, of course, their seasons are opposite of ours. Right. So it's, right. it's the peak of the summer. In, on, in, in December there, right? And it's, right. it's vice versa. But I, I was actually trying to figure out what would that really be like? Like you could actually live, if you just lived in Australia six months out of the year, you could you could never ever leave the summer. You could live eternal summers. But I guess that's exactly. pretty similar to like what people on the equator are like, right? Because it never ever snows in, in certain equatorial places. But of course, all this is changing because whether we like it or not, man is changing the, the climate. We're terraforming <laughs> for the lizards that are coming or whatever it is. So... <laughs> And ask me again in 20 years, and maybe we'll have a different discussion when the, the icebergs have melted. Okay, okay. All right, uh, question number 10. Um, what is both the best and the worst advice, advice you have ever received? Okay, wow. Best and worst advice. Hmm. Okay, I will tell you. Uh, the best advice that my I've ever gotten in my life was my from my father and he told me keep trying just keep trying okay and i always remember that and i've actually that's something that really burned into my head and it doesn't really matter what the context is uh if you fail when you fail and you should fail uh to keep trying uh, keep going on okay. uh, the worst advice that i ever uh received was um i remember someone once telling me in a class 
that it really wasn't that big of a deal if you use the same login and password across all 40 sites that you have. Because once it's penetrated and once it's broken, it's already it's broken anyway. Okay. And I actually ended up arguing with this person for a very, very long time. And by the way, even though I said that's the worst advice I've ever heard, because it is bad advice, a serious large chunk of people do do exactly that, right? So when we they see news news stories like the ring cameras or whatever mm -hmm. else, that the reason why that that's happening is because of credential stuffing and the fact that people are reusing uh, passwords that are you know publicly uh, dumped. As a matter of fact, I've, I I don't know if you've seen this story before, but those really badly worded fake emails that say I've hacked into your computer and I've got your camera mm -hmm. and all this stuff or whatever. Yeah. Well, the extortionists started putting one of your passwords in the subject line, right? Because it would suddenly get your attention, right? It would yeah. Get past spam filters. And most people would see they, they would put one of your passwords. And even then, half the people, even after they got an email with that password in the subject line, half the people continue to use that password on new website signups. So yeah. best advice is to keep trying. Worst advice is uh, to is password reuse. And I guess if you combine them together, it'd be keep trying to do password reuse. <laughs> Yeah, I, I worked at a uh, I worked at a, a small ISP at one point that uh, that always got hit with phishing scams, mm -hmm. and I can't tell you how many times um, that th this this was before having having things that alerted you constantly. It was a regular thing, but I can't tell you how many times I came back into work on a Monday morning and I was getting calls of people's emails not going out sure. and it's because the a phishing scan hit on a friday and over the over the weekend whoever it was just uh ended up um it just just ended up uh, uh slamming through our email server with a bunch of spam and getting us on every blacklist conceivable and it sure. would take me about three days to clear it to clear it all oh yeah like the rbls and spam house and stuff they're not exactly the most responsive to people that are trying to get removed from them right and then yeah. that also applied to back in the day that even applied to like ip address blocks like they would they would blacklist an entire slash 22 or something and you're like wait a minute i don't have anything to do with that guy it's <laughs> like he's not i'm in the same data center or something but uh, well, the, the the worst one that I that I just hell trying to get any action from was Comcast. Really, I, I actually you know, one of the times it happened, um, there was uh, I forget exactly if it was their own blacklist, yeah, um, or something, but it was something they had control over, and I ended up having to call the corporate headquarters. That were in Philadelphia at the time. Oh boy! And, Trying to get a hold of a tier two there somehow. Oh no 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 no! I, I was I was I was trying to call somebody that was that that was uh, in at an executive level because I had had so much hell trying to get them to do anything. Yeah. I'm like okay, I need I need to make sure somebody a little further up hears this complaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you did it work? Did you get it to somebody? Uh, no, I did. I didn't get to somebody. Their their secretaries were very, very well trained to not let anybody through. Oh boy! So no. it, it, eventually, eventually, it got cleared off. But uh, but yeah, then uh, then the other end of that is I, I've. I had still been pretty bad about uh, password reuse for a while myself. Oh no! Don't admit that. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Uh, because it, 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 especially um, a, a lot of that work that Tinker did, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever he was uh, trying to crack it, the NTLM hashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I saw that, I'm like, okay, okay. I need to start figuring out if, figuring out different ways to deal with this. And, uh, and for somebody that I, I have a hard time remembering things, I mean, shoot, my cell phone number, uh, it, it, it would, anytime I got a new number, it would take me six months to be able to tell somebody what it was without <laughs> sure. working. Okay. Sure. But, uh, and I've been the same with passwords, but finally I don't, I don't know how I got to it, but I ended up, uh, coming up with a good way to, uh, constantly shuffle passwords and actually not even go back on, you know, a list of five or six and, you know, reuse one that I've used <laughs> a couple of years before, stuff like that. And, and for somebody that has a hard time remembering stuff like that, I, actually have gotten that to where it works in my head. Oh, good. So, so between that and, um, it was, uh, it was, uh, the, the tribe of hackers conference. I was, was watching that and, uh, and, uh, Marcus Carey, whenever he was, uh, talking about, um, using, uh, using, uh, password managers. Sure. You know, I, I, I saw, you know, I'd heard everything about using password managers, for so long, and I always refuse to do it because I'm like, that's a single point of failure. Okay. But um, it, it, you know, I, I remember hearing Marcus talk about the fact that, yeah, granted, it is a single point of failure, but it's also still probably the strongest stance that you can have in protecting your passwords. For sure. You know, in worst case scenario, if they get your password or your password manager, you change that password. <laughs> sure, one hundred percent. Or better yet, have a YubiKey or some multi-factor on there as well. As on top there of that. you go. There you but go. You, but you know, thinkers for those people that don't know about Marcus, Marcus uh, is probably best known for the Tribe of Hackers books, like uh, the Tribe of Hackers. I think there's a red team book, a blue team book coming, uh, a leaders book coming as well. You really need to get him on this podcast because he would be awesome, an awesome guest as well. So yeah, Marcus, I, I, if you're listening to this, I just blatantly called you out for another podcast appearance. <laughs> I hope I hope you're not going to be mad at me for that. <laughs> I, I actually was just thinking the other day that I needed to contact him and see if I could get him on. So, <laughs> I'm uh, sure he'll be thrilled <laughs> with me saying oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great guest. But uh, yeah, your lineup has been so awesome so far. And I'm, you know, definitely looking forward to uh, listening to some of the other ones, uh, you know, that I know that you've recorded and maybe haven't been released yet or whatever else. But uh, when did you decide to do this? When did you decide to embark on this 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 new venture, this podcast? It was it was literally just a random thought, random idea that I had a couple of months ago, I think it was, and I I posted on Twitter. I said, "What do you think? What do people think?" A lot of people thought it sounded like a good idea. And so it's like, okay, why not? Cool. Well, awesome. Well, I hope that you get to the point where it's year round, I guess. It's not necessarily a temporary one. I have enjoyed listening to the ones so far. Uh, I would encourage you to to, uh, to keep it sponsor free because that's nice and nice and not cluttered. Okay. But I know you're going to have to sell that to the man eventually. 
Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that the good thing is it's on a platform I'm not having to pay for. You know, if I had to start paying for it, that may change. But uh, well, maybe one of the password manager companies will come along and offer you like some huge big endorsement deal to uh to because it seems like an opportunity for LastPass or someone else that's there. There, you, there, there you go, there you go. I, I, I'll I'll have it a little more. Uh, I'll have it a little more. Uh, but why I'm part of what I'm going to work on uh, between now and whenever I officially debut season two, as I'm calling it, um, is trying to make sure that I've got it. Uh, I've got it spread through Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and stuff like that. So, uh, so it can reach as many people as I possibly can. So you've already been renewed for season two. You renewed yourself. Oh, yeah. Yes, I renewed myself. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, congratulations on season two, and hopefully you can get the back catalog loaded in there. Uh, as well, but uh, I really do appreciate uh, that's coming again. We did do all ten, right? Did we get to ten? Yeah, yeah, we get, we got through all ten. Okay, well, fant- I really do appreciate uh, the chance to sit in on this one. I don't know if I was if we went long or short compared to everyone else. I guess it's about right, isn't it? it, it it's it's average to slightly longer. Uh, we've we've been going about thirty eight minutes at this point. Okay, cool. So. Well, I do want to just make a couple quick plugs. One is for the Mental Health Hackers, which is Hackers Health. If you don't follow them on Twitter anyway, that's a cause I very, very much believe in uh, that really advocates for mental health at conferences. And it's kind of run by Amanda Berlin. Hopefully she talked about that a little bit during her uh, podcast. Um, I'm also very involved in fundraising for the Diana Initiative, which uh, tries to amplify female voices in InfoSec, especially at uh, DEF CON as well. Mm -hmm. And if those of you that haven't heard of it before, the Innocent Lives Foundation uh, takes care of preventing uh, and dealing with childhood victimization. Those Those are the three big plugs that I wanted to make sure that I got in here. Not really commercials, just wanted to make put some awareness out there of course of course all right password managers everybody password managers you got me my thanks to ray he was a good conversation he's a good man uh he's believed in the concept and format of this podcast from early on and has helped blow this thing up to what it is become already uh, with, with without him I'd uh, still be a little further back down the ladder trying to build uh, but thank you very much Ray stay tuned for next time because next time we have the one and only Snow Master of Disguise Master of Social Engineering <laughs>